Today is part three of our Abiding in Christ series, and I want to start today with a question. Do you think God still speaks today? Now, if we look at scripture, we can see that in the Bible, God spoke to Noah and Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Paul, Peter, John, and many, many, many more. He spoke to those people. They sensed his voice. They heard his voice, and it made a difference in their lives. But the question that we want to grapple with today is, does God still speak like that? What we're going to do is we're going to dig in. We're going to figure this thing out together. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll answer this question one step at a time. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the testimonies of people here who have spent time with you this week. You change us, and you give us a different perspective on life. You move us into your presence and into your will simply by us connecting to you. Thank you, Father, that you made yourself accessible to us through these practices. As we explore the question, Lord, do you still speak today? I pray that our hearts would be open to hear an answer of truth. That's all we want. We just want truth. Amen. So let's investigate this question. Does God still speak today? In my heart and in my experience, I believe firmly that yes, God still speaks today, but also that we can hear his voice and by hear, by, that hearing his voice is absolutely foundational to abiding in him or connecting with Christ. If we go to God or we go to Jesus expecting to interact with him, but we don't listen for his voice, we miss out on probably one of the greatest things God wants to do in us. In fact, because hearing God's voice is so foundational, I don't think that we can understand his Bible without hearing from the Holy Spirit, okay? And here's why I say that. In many churches today, people think that those with the most intelligence and the most education are the people who can uh, interpret the Bible the best. People with education, uh, the best interpretive methods, knowledge of the original languages that the Bible was written in, etc. All of those things are what we need in order to understand the Bible. That's what a lot of churches believe. But let me ask you this question. Who is the author of the Bible? It's God. Right? It's the Holy Spirit who spoke it into people's hearts. Second Peter 1 verse 20 to 21 tells us that the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So if the Holy Spirit is the one who initiated the writing of the scriptures and not people, wouldn't it make the most sense to say that the Holy Spirit is also the best interpreter of the Bible? It's only logical, right? The person or the the entity that wrote the Bible would be the one who understands it the best. I remember sitting in grade nine English classes and we would be reading a poem and we were supposed to interpret its meaning. And I thought, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. Why would I know what this guy's thinking? Let's just go and ask him. Because we all come up with different reasons or, for, or ideas of why someone wrote a rhyme or some prose the way they did. Let's just go ask the source. And here we can see that the Holy Spirit is the source. And this is why Jesus said in John 14 verse 6, 
But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Here we learn that the Holy Spirit, a messenger from God, teaches us and reminds us of what God is saying. Jack Deere, who is the author of the book Surprised by the Voice of God, wrote, Christian scholarship isn't nearly as important as Christian scholars would have led us to believe. So it's not as important to get an education and to gain intellect in order to understand scripture. It's important to connect to Jesus Christ and to the Holy Spirit. Portions of the church today have moved away from practicing or even believing in hearing directly from God, often because of what our culture has done. Our culture worships intelligence and education. If you think about how many students after grade 12 go off to college because that's what you do, instead of asking God for what the trajectory of their lives is meant to be, it's actually kind of disturbing. But we do this without even thinking because we say, well, you have to have education, you have to have intelligence, you have to have a career, that's the only way to success. But Christians, don't we have a better thing that gives us success in life than education? We have Jesus Christ. We should be pouring into him, running towards him, and seeing what he wants for our lives. Now, although intelligence and education are fine enough things, and I would never tell someone, don't go to college, uh, our human nature often betrays us when we start to obtain intelligence and education. All too often, we receive a very small portion of information, and and we take that one little small nugget of information, and we run with it, and get prideful and puffed up, and we base our whole life off of our very very limited understanding about any topic and we get arrogant and that kind of that kind of intelligence is what we lean on rather than what God is saying to us but scripture says that God opposes the proud the people who get puffed up on intelligence and Paul writes that God chooses the foolish to shame the wise And in God's wisdom, he made it so that kingdom truths could not be fully understood without divine assistance. In fact, kingdom truths are often hidden. We remember stories like this from scripture. God hides his truth from those who have no intention on on doing anything with his truth rather than using it for their own sinful pleasures or their own arrogance. And instead, he gives those things to people like little children, right? In Matthew 11, verse 25, it says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you revealed them to little children. People who, are, who we often marginalize in our culture, we say, oh, they're just kids. What do they know? But that's the thing. God takes people who are humble and gentle at heart, like children, and he reveals to them kingdom truths. Not the people who think, well, I am the wisest person in the room. Surely God would speak to me and no one else. Jesus is saying that the kingdom secrets cannot be understood by human intelligence and education alone, but they are ultimately unlocked by God to those who humble themselves like these little children. Remember that when we read in the New Testament about the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they were the Bible scholars. They were the ones who had the entire Old Testament, yet they failed to recognize who Jesus was. 
Why is that? Because scripture can't be properly understood without the revealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus' own disciples, the people who spent three years of their life walking around with Jesus, could not always recognize who Jesus was. Look how Jesus responds to to Peter's confession that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. It says in Matthew 16, 17, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, which is another name for Peter, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. There wasn't another disciple that whispered in Peter's ear, this guy's the Messiah. Nobody told him that was a direct revelation from God. And Jesus acknowledged it saying, you knew who I am because my father told you. Without that, he probably would have missed it because we're all in the same boat. We need the revealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Similarly, uh, the disciples, even, oh, oh, sorry, I'm going to skip that part. Yeah, okay. So in Luke 9, verse 44 to 45, I want to read one more passage here. Jesus is saying, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men, but they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they could not grasp it. Here the disciples just don't get when Jesus is clearly and plainly telling them, I am going to die. But they didn't get it for some reason. It was hidden from them. So even though they spent time with Jesus and he revealed this truth again and again and again, they didn't get it. But it's interesting when we fast forward to when Jesus has uh, come back from, from the grave and he's, he's now uh, poised to ascend to heaven. It says in Luke 24, verse 44 to 45, he said to his disciples, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then get this. Then Jesus is the heat. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Isn't that bizarre that they were with Jesus? They saw everything that they, that he did and they couldn't understand him until finally Jesus is standing there ready to ascend to heaven. And at that moment, he opens their minds. Man, does that sound good. That is exactly what I want for me. That's what I pray for myself. That's what I pray for our church, that Jesus would open our minds. Because no matter how much I preach, or or even if it's any good, that's not the deciding factor on if we're going to understand Jesus and comprehend him. It's if we allow the Holy Spirit to open our minds to understand who he is. If the scholars and Jesus' closest companions couldn't understand everything without the revealing work of God, don't you and I also need God to reveal truth to us? Absolutely. The Bible cannot be understood without hearing from the Holy Spirit. And did you know that God also speaks to us outside of the Bible? Some people believe that you can only hear from God by reading the scriptures, which is true. You can hear from God by reading the scriptures, but it's not the only way. There's other things that happen. Cessationists, a group of people who say that God no longer speaks and no longer does miracles, they use 1 Corinthians 13 to support their claim that God does not speak to people apart from the Bible anymore. Yet this passage of 1 Corinthians 13 says the exact opposite. They've taken it out of context and a false theology has been built because of it. First Corinthians 13 verse 8 to 10 says, but where there are prophecies, they will cease where there are tongues. They will be stilled where there is knowledge. It will pass away. 
For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. So what we have here are prophecies, tongues, and knowledge, or words of knowledge. And these are all speaking gifts. And God speaks truth to his people through these gifts. And true, according to this passage, they will pass away. But when? When is the question? This verse says they will pass away when perfection comes. Cessationists say that perfection is when the Bible was completed. When, when we had all the books of the Bible and it was finalized and done and they said, okay, perfection has come. We have a perfect Bible. Now God's voice is not going to talk to us anymore. But this is wrong. They have taken it out of context. And it's clear that perfection is not referring to the completion of the Bible at all. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, just two verses later, it says, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then when perfection comes, we will see face to face. Okay, so face to face is the big clue here. Paul is saying that when perfection comes, we will see God face to face. So the next question you need to ask is, well, when are we going to see God face to face? At the second coming. Okay, this is making sense. Yeah, you don't see the Bible face to face because the Bible doesn't have a face, but Jesus does. And we will see his face when perfection comes, when he comes again to this earth. So the speaking gifts of prophecy, tongues, and knowledge will only cease when we see God face to face at his second coming. They are alive and well today. Also, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 continues to say, Now I know in part, but then I will know fully. We have to ask ourselves a question. Just because we have the Bible and it's complete, do we understand everything there is to understand about God fully? No, of course not. I have a ton of questions, and I'm sure you do too. And I think the world has a ton of questions. If they could get every single answer they ever needed just by having a group of words printed on paper, that would be, that would be proof that we don't need to wait for Jesus to come, and we don't need these speaking gifts. But the truth is, we still need God to speak to us, and he still does. So only then when Jesus comes are we going to have every understanding. The Bible alone does not unlock these truths. We need God to unlock these truths for us by giving us understanding. So if gifts of prophecy, tongues, and knowledge remain, obviously there still is a use for them. Since they are gifts of communication, we know that God still desires to communicate with us. Scripture describes the nature of these three communications that we've been talking about. These gifts of uh, prophecy, tongues, and words of knowledge, they give us understanding from God. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. A revelation is when something is revealed to you. We see that John, he wrote the book of Revelation. There was a great in great detail, future events that all Christians should know about, it was revealed to him. He received a revelation, okay? So he has understanding now. Uh, also, we see in 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six that these communications from God can come in the form of a message from God. When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. We're talking about a church service here. We have a message right here. We see that God has given us a message, and now we are trying our best to hear what God wants to say to us this morning. And we also know that we get direction from God. Galatians 2, 1-2. 
14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation. So Paul did something. He took instruction from his life or got direction for what God wanted him to do based on God revealing it to him through a word of knowledge, through a prophetic word that he spoke into Paul's life. So a revelation is simply, once again, something that God reveals to us. And as we read, or as we read in these three verses, revelation from God gives us either other understanding, a message from God for us, or some sort of direction for our lives. And these additional communications of revelation from God, they do not compromise scripture. When it truly is the word of God spoken into our lives, it will never disagree with anything that we already have written down in the Bible. In fact, the Bible actually helps us to confirm what a revelation is saying because it acts like a filter. If we sense that God is saying something to us, what we should do if we're not sure what it really means is we should put it against scripture. Wow, God is telling me I'm supposed to build a fence twice as high because I'm not supposed to love my neighbor. I think that's what I'm going to do. Well, let's see what the Bible says. It says, love your neighbors. It says, consider others' interests ahead of your own. Oh, I suppose I should then dismiss that thought. That must not have been from God, okay? Another example is if a young, if a young man, a Christian man, who's dating a non-Christian girl, asks God, should I marry this girl? Naturally, his emotions are going to tell him, yes, this is a good idea. I love her, therefore I should marry her. But what does the Bible say? It says that this is a bad idea, and it's actually an unbiblical concept. So those feelings, no matter how strong they are, they should be dismissed because they disagree with Scripture, and they are not the voice of God. Now, a common objection that a lot of people say when you talk about hearing God's voices, they say, well... I've been a Christian for 30 years or 10 years or or whatever length of time you want to insert, and I've never heard God's voice. I've never heard anything from God. The fact that someone doesn't hear from God doesn't prove that God doesn't speak to people today. It's simply an admission that they don't hear God's voice. Just because we don't hear certain sounds that animals hear, like high-pitched frequencies that dogs can, you know, you can drive them nuts by blowing those dog whistles or whatever. Just because we can't hear them doesn't mean that those sounds don't exist, right? So logically, just because someone doesn't hear God doesn't mean that he doesn't speak. When we, when we, are, or when we ask the question, does God speak today? I think that based on what we've talked about already, the resounding answer is yes. So... If we move forward with this idea that, yes, God does speak, the next question that we should ask as a church is, who does God speak to? I think it's an important one. It's, it's even an exciting question to answer because we place ourselves in the middle of this whole idea. I think that God, we've, we've learned already that God doesn't speak to certain people who are proud people who think that they can rely on intelligence and their own intellect because they have tuned out God relying solely on themselves. But there are two groups of people for sure that God does speak to. And the first one is, whoops, people who think that they're too simple. John 10:27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus said that sheep would hear his, his voice, not seminary graduates, not geniuses, just his sheep. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the animal kingdom, sheep are extremely dumb. 
They are very unintelligent creatures, okay? So when Jesus said that sheep hear his voice, he's actually setting the bar very low for our benefit, okay? He's not saying, you have to do all these things, and then once you've obtained this, you can hear my voice. No, that's not it at all. Jesus loves us in our most innocent and simplistic state. So he wants us to hear his voice in that state as well. Hearing God's voice is not complicated. It's for everyone. It's for you. In 2010, Karen and I were at a retreat in Manitoba with another church. And in the very first session of this retreat, we were told to ask God a question and then listen to him for an answer. I kind of squirmed in my seat thinking, I have never done anything like this before. And I wasn't really sure what this experience was supposed to be like. The, the leader of this, of this retreat just said, ask God a question and then listen for an answer. Puh, okay. So we were told to ask this question. What do you want to do in my life this weekend, Lord? Or Lord, what do you want to do in my life this weekend? So I... I just shrugged my shoulders and I looked around at what everyone else was doing and I gave it a shot. I asked God this question. Then I was quiet and I listened to see if God would answer. And he did. I felt God say, prepare you. Huh. Now, I thought I knew what God was getting at because you know how it is when you have that internal conversation with yourself or when God starts to speak into your life, you have these instincts that go along with maybe a word that you hear. So I, I sense God saying, prepare you. And I thought, I think I know what he means, but I wasn't really a hundred percent sure. So I asked God another question. I just wrote for what I think. And then I, I was quiet again and I listened and I heard God say, yes, haven't I answered that already? Because Karen and I had been in prayer for, for almost a year at this point already about what it would look like for, for us to enter full-time ministry in a youth pastor uh, capacity. We had been well underway um, in an interview process with a church that wanted us to come to be their youth pastor, but still through, through insecurity and unsurety and just never having done anything in the pastoral arena before, I didn't really know for sure, was this God? So I needed that confirmation and he spoke it to me and it was awesome. I went away from that conference or that retreat that weekend with such confidence because for the first time in my life, I had listened for God's voice. He had spoke to me and given me direction for what my life was meant to be like. But the interesting thing is looking back at this with no prior knowledge, no experience or training whatsoever, God communicated with me. I couldn't have been more simple minded about the whole thing, but I heard God speak to me in my spirit. I heard God's voice. Since then, I've, I've interacted with God and communicated with him hundreds of times, either me asking him questions and sometimes even God just breaking into my thoughts, asking me questions. And I love it. It makes so much sense for my life. Second group of people that God speaks to is people who think that they're too bad. Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman, right? She had five husbands and is now living with another guy. And that's from John 4. Jesus was accused of speaking with gluttons, drunkards, and sinners. I don't care how simple you think you are. It actually might be to your advantage. And I don't care how bad you think you are. Jesus longs to speak with you. He created you for relationship and fellowship. If he didn't want to talk to you, why would he have created you to be his friend? It just goes against his very nature if we believe that God does not want to talk to us. 
And in fact, I believe that God is speaking to you already. He loves you that much. You just may not have recognized his voice. And I get that because I've been there because we don't know what it sounds like. We haven't quieted ourselves to be with him and listen to see what he wants to say to us. And the same thing kind of happened to Samuel, didn't it? He called out or he heard the Lord calling to him, or, but he didn't recognize that it was the Lord. He thought that it was his master, Eli. So he ran to Eli and said, yeah, what is it? You know, what do you, what do you want? You're calling me here in the middle of the night. And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Three times this happens. Finally, Eli clues in. He says, oh, the Lord's calling to this young boy, Samuel. So he tells Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, verse 8 to 10, He told him, go and lie down, and if he calls to you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel, then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. As a church, we want and need to hear God's voice. It is so important. I'll say it again, like I said earlier, hearing God's voice is foundational for us to understand Jesus and connect with him. If we do not hear God's voice, if we don't give him a chance to speak into our lives, I don't know what the probability of success is of living a Christian life that is truly satisfying or good. And I'd say that it's extremely low. The New Testament has lots of examples where members of the early church, you can read about this in Acts, conducted their lives based on what they heard God say to them apart from the scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament to know what the church was supposed to look like, so they got direct revelation from the Lord. And in post-biblical times, during our lifetime, there have been many Christians who have heard from him. Some are more historical figures, but there are some today. Francis of Assisi, Martin Luther, John Wesley, George Mueller, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Charles Spurgeon, Dwight Moody, A.W. Tozer, James Dobson, Elizabeth Elliot, Dallas Willard, Jack Deere, John Ortberg, Rick Warren, Lauren Cunningham, and many, many more. Find one of their biographies and read about how God's spoken to their lives. It will change the way you think about the Jesus that you thought you knew. I want to share two stories before we get to our weekly challenge. The first one we're going to just call Monica and her immoral son. The only person that Monica loved more than her son was God. But even though Monica raised her son in the church, he grew up and he rejected everything that he had heard as a young man about God. He became a professor of rhetoric and gave his life over to drunkenness, sexual immorality, and turning people away from the one true God. Even the most highly trained Christian intellectuals couldn't make a dent in the theology or the rhetoric that this young man abided by. Monica had come close to utter despair, but she refused to give up. She labored in prayer for her son's salvation. When her son was 19 years old, Monica had a dream that her and her son were walking hand in hand in heaven. She knew that God was speaking to her through this dream, saying that he would save her immoral son. So she intensified her prayers as a result, uh, day after day, praying for another and another and another moment in her son's life where God would break through. But even though she prayed so vigorously, he seemed to be slipping further away, becoming more intelligent, more arrogant, and more committed to evil than ever before. 
A well-respected church leader came to Monica's city because she was highly thought of amongst the Christians in her community. She was able to secure a meeting with this church leader and she begged him to meet with her son to try to persuade him. But he said that if he tried to persuade her son, it would only harden his heart more. Then Monica sobbed in front of this man saying, how will he ever be saved? The wise old church leader looked at Monica and said, woman, it is impossible for the son of those tears to perish. Monica was encouraged by those words in the same way that she had been encouraged by that dream earlier. She, with renewed zeal, she committed to praying once again. Nine years after Monica's dream, her son was sitting in a garden where he heard an audible voice say, take it and read, take it and read in the singing voice of a child. At first he thought it must be some children playing nearby, but when he looked around, there were no children in sight and he didn't recognize the tune from this children's song. He sensed that this was a divine command from heaven to open the scriptures and read. He opened the Bible and his eyes fell on Romans 13, verse 13 to 14, which says, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of his, of your flesh. The son's heart was miraculously and instantly transformed. He would no longer be known as Monica's immoral son. Instead, he would go down in history as St. Augustine, one of the greatest theologians and defenders of the faith in the history of the entire church. A few years later, after Augustine had given his life to the Lord, his mother came to him and said, there is no other pleasure that I have in this life. I have nothing else to look forward to. She had been given the greatest gift that she was ever praying for. And she was satisfied with what the Lord had done in, in saving her son and answering her life's prayer. Nine days after that conversation, Monica died. She had been given the desire of her heart, her son's salvation. What a beautiful way in which God spoke to her, spoke to her son, and only through his voice could these miraculous events take place. I want to share one more example, one more story here from modern times. Christian author and theologian Oz Guinness was speaking at a series of lectures in, in, at uh, Essex University in England. As he was on stage uh, during one of these nights of lectures, he saw a strange-looking girl sitting in the front row with an odd expression on her face. Remembering an incident from the night before where a radical had attended the lecture and tried to disrupt the events that were going on, Oz kept speaking, he kept performing his lecture, but silently in his heart, excuse me, silently in his heart, he was praying that this girl would not create any trouble. She remained quiet during the whole evening, but as soon as the lecture was finished, she came right up on stage to talk to Oz with a troubled look on her face, asking, what spell have you cast on me to keep me quiet during your lecture? 
She told Oz that she was a part of a spiritist circle in the south of England and that those spirits had ordered her to travel to Essex, where she had never been before, to disrupt a series of lectures that were going on that week. Where the story really gets interesting is when Oz returns home to Switzerland where he lived. A woman from his community asked him what had happened in Essex at these lectures. She knew that he was there and it just was curious what was going on. She told him that she was praying for the lectures one morning and she had a vision. It was so clear that it seemed like reality to her. She saw a vision of a strange girl about to disrupt the meeting. The woman prayed for this strange-looking girl and was convinced after her prayers that this strange-looking girl did not disrupt the lecture, but she just wondered if this was all her imagination or if these things actually happened. So she had just asked Oz to double-check, double-check what was going on in her heart, and Oz confirmed everything that she was saying, but she just wasn't sure of. In both of these stories, God spoke clearly into the lives of people. Monica needed to hear God. Augustine wanted nothing to do with God. And the woman in Switzerland wasn't sure if she heard God. One thing is sure. Because they listened to God's voice, God did something amazing for each of them and that no one else could have done. Friends, I say it again. We need to hear the voice of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is so amazing to know that you want to speak to us and that if we quiet our hearts before you, we can actually hear you. We need your revelation in our life to understand scriptures. We need revelation in our life so that we have encouragement and direction and understanding of who you are. Father, I don't know if this is a new idea for some of us here this morning. I don't know if this is something that we've always believed in, but we just haven't had much training in. Lord, no matter where we are, I pray that you would open our hearts to believing that, yes, your voice is alive and well today. And I pray, Father God, that we would welcome your voice to speak into our lives as a church. Amen. All right, friends. We just got one minute left here, and I would like to share with you what our challenge for this week is. So we're just going to do the same things that we did last week for the most part. I want us to continue or begin a daily devotion time with God. Our goal is that we would all connect to Jesus. You can't connect to Jesus through me, and I can't connect to Jesus through you. It has to be an individual effort. And we can help each other, but we can't do it for one another. So spend that time. Get a devotional time daily in your life. Aim once again for five days where you intentionally sit down and give God time for, t- for you and him to connect to each other. Do it through reading your Bible, writing things down, and praying. But this week... I want you to try something else. I'm just going to ask you to to give it a try. This week, I, I am inviting you to practice listening for God's voice. Okay, and here's how you can do this. It's, it's more than I care to explain right now, but there's a little exercise that I have on a paper at the back table there uh, as you leave. It just is something that's going to walk you through the steps on how to, to start this and how to begin what we can just call a conversation with God. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's not just for people who are uber spiritual, okay? It's not for the highly educated or the intellectual. It's for 
everyone. If you're sitting there right now thinking, well, Jeff, that's easy for you to say, but you don't know me. Well, you're probably the person that God wants to speak to the most because you think that you don't qualify. So give God a chance. Just allow him the moment to speak into your life and see what happens. It's a fun exercise. I've done it before and I'll do it again with you this week. And then we're all going to come back next week ready to... All right, enthusiasm, look at that. 